everything you want in life can be had through immersion. Like every dollar you're ever going to make in your life is going to come from another human being. There's no money trees. It comes from people. Go be around people. Health is wealth. Dude, go to the gym. I don't care what it takes. Go to the gym. It's the best investment you can make. It's the best thing you can do for your family, for your business. It's the beginning of, it's the beginning of everything. Live light. That's both physically, financially, and spiritually. Live with less stuff, less overhead, less subscriptions, less needs, less addictions, alcohol, coffee, social media, like less. Live with less. You will find freedom and discipline. This is the Fit Investor Podcast, where we talk about how to live a more holistic life of being fit, not only financially, but physically and faithfully. We'll be joined by experts in all these areas to share their experiences and actionable and practical tips so that you can be a fit investor too. So now let's join our hosts, Kale Delaney and Brenna Carls. Welcome to another episode of The Fit Investor. I'm your host, Kale Delaney, here with my co-host, Brenna, the powerlifting maven, Carls. And today, our special guest is Mr. Alex Felice. And Alex is actually, he's the producer of the Better Life Tribe podcast with Brandon Turner. He's also a real estate investor and dedicated to helping others get out of brokenness and into wealth and showing them the way. And he's got some really cool stories about his travels and different things along the way that we're going to dive into and explore. But we're here to talk about some squats and deadlifts too. So we're going to have a multifaceted show with Alex and we're just going to dive right in. So Alex, welcome to The Fit Investor. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very I'm thankful to be here. I absolutely appreciate you coming on. And so Alex, just to give us a little background, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from. And why do you love squats and deadlifts so much? Dude, deadlifts solve all problems. We'll start with that. Spiritual, like friend. He's like my spiritual male Yeah, we're spiritual. Our souls are friends. I, I'm the number one most extroverted person on planet Earth. That's a fact. That's... And if I had to go ask 8 billion people hand to hand, eye to eye, I would be more than happy to do. I live in Maui, producing the Better Life, uh, Better Life podcast with Brendan Turner. Been doing that in about a year. And I found myself in that position because I have three loves in life, people, cameras, real estate. And I've been doing real estate for 10 years, got my financial freedom, started helping people. That's where I started blogging and, and started going to a lot of conferences. And I would take my camera to those conferences and take pictures of people because I love people and I love my camera. And then when Brandon was like, Hey, I need a, I need somebody who's really good at, knows my story, knows real estate, knows, and knows cameras. I was the obvious choice. Before that, spent a little time in the military. And I have been doing, I've been investing in squats and deadlifts for at least two decades. And yeah, I know that you found my blog. So I'm a, uh, took a little bit of a break this last year. I've been too, a little too busy, but I'm a, a pretty avid writer and reader. I like my philosophy. So yeah, a little dabbling, dabbling a little bit of everything. What's I'm your under- PR on squats and deadlifts? I'll send you a video of me squ- uh, deadlifts in 600. Oh, nice. Right. Me, me too. I'm kidding. From Obviously. from <laughs> from from a decade ago, I'm it, it, it's much harder to do it now that I'm that I'm older. And uh, I think my deadlift, my squat PR, I think I clipped a five sixty five for a triple at one point. Oh wow! Thanks. Yeah. Wraps, no no suit. I was going to ask if you had like wraps or what you had. I could talk uh, yeah. the whole podcast about that, but I'll I'll try to stop myself. 
I'll hurt your feelings here for a moment. I learned somewhere around when I was 28 to 30 and I was hitting my real stride and it was always a hobby. I never really competed, but I realized the problem with fitness is it's too much self. There is no way to bring anyone else on the journey. And it's also diminishing returns. Nobody cares if you can yeah. squat 500 and nobody cares if you could squat 600. And at some point it only makes life, it's only gonna make your life harder, not easier. Mm. So that's when I, about, that was about probably eight years ago. I took a step back from like the intensity and I was like, hey, I'm gonna do this forever and I love this. But nowadays right. I rarely squat or deadlift over 400 and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, it's interesting you say that because that's been my mentality on things. I think similar to you, I probably got started around the same time as you when I was 14 years old and especially in college, that's when I was hitting things really hard, doing the two hour workouts twice a day and hitting those PRs and you feel invincible and all that good stuff. And nowadays, yeah, definitely the past few years, my philosophy had been, if it was too heavy to lift without any type of assistance, meaning like wrist straps or knee wraps or even back brace or anything like that, then it was too heavy for me. And so I stayed on that path for the past really probably three, four years. And then frankly, just this month, I decided, you know what, it's time to start up in the level again. We're going to see where that goes. So I'm starting to get back into, you know, some heavier things, starting with the deadlifts and then the squats will start going heavier on those and just up in the intensity on things. But I'd like to say that I, I, think you, mm -hmm. I think you're the only reason you're stepping up your intensity is because you're scared that I'm going to hit the same bench or, or squat as you. That might be it. That is a good that motivator. It might be a subconscious threat in my head here. Yeah. That, <laughs> that is a good motivator. I, dude, I don't know this woman very well, but I can feel like I, she's a threat. She is a. If you knew, if you saw me, per, I'm only five feet. So you'd be like, oh, never. Okay. No, I'm only five foot six, but I'm a threat. Okay. Yeah. What's funny is I remember when I ran into you in person at the BP con, you were looking like Rambo with 20 cameras slung over your shoulders and the Rambo straps and jacked and everything. I was like, also, I remember seeing you. I didn't get to uh, formally meet you. Now I remember you. Well, that's I remember right. seeing you there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I go so to what, BP con every year. Take my camera. So what's your workout routine now? What's it look like? Pretty basic. Again, I don't sink the time into it that I probably, that I used to, or maybe I need to get back to a little bit, but I work on a, a 12 week recurring linear periodization model. And so what I'll do is I'll say, if I want to hit a, if I want to hit 405, I'll start with three weeks, max of 12, then three weeks, max of eight, then three weeks, max of five, then three weeks, max of three. And then I will start the process over again. And the ideal situation is the weight at the end goes up. But nowadays, I, I don't do that so much anymore. <laughs> so and then when I'm in the gym, and then when I'm in the gym, like my workouts will cascade up as well. So I'll start with the bar or 135 for, for deadlifts. And I'll just, here's a set of 12 and 185. And here's a set of 10 and 225. And here's a set of eight and just cascade up until I hit that max of whatever the number is. Okay. And then I've read when you get older and not saying, we're old or anything. They say I've read in health and fitness, when males get older, it's actually better for them to do a lesser weight, but more reps, depending on their testosterone levels and stuff. And that could be just a total different study. But I've continued to hear people like you say that we're into fitness and the really heavy stuff now saying, I feel but my body feels better when I do a little bit of a lighter weight and more reps. 
there is a level of invincibility you have when you're 18 and there's a level of invincibility that you don't have when you're 40. And I'm like, dude, I I can't, I really can't get hurt deadlifting 400 pounds. Nobody cares. I'd rather just do 315. And there's a compounding effect of the gym. Like, what is it? Brian Lubin this week, he called me the quad father, which I as a nickname that I'm taking forever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and I just walk around with short shorts and I have these big meaty thighs. And that's not going to stop. I don't squat that heavy these days. Where I'll go is I'll do, I'll get into the the mid 300s pretty often. And I do a lot of like box squats, but dude, I'm feeling it in my knees a little bit in a weird way and pains come and go over the years, but I just don't have the ego or the invincibility like I used to. And so I don't know that necessarily it's that I need to lift less weight. What I think it is, here's what I actually think it is. I, I think your body will look the same if you're squatting 315 as if you're squatting 405. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you push, if you go in the gym and you work and you're like, Hey, maybe I can't do four reps at four or five, but I can do 12 at three fifteen. I think your body's going to look the same. So it just turns into a risk reward situation. You're like, I'm going to look good. I'm going to feel good by yeah. just by getting under that bar. I have to still have the mental, there's a mental accomplishment of putting heavy weight on and it doesn't have to be as heavy, but just going in there and doing what, doing as hard as you physically can. So I, yeah, I, I, I think there's definitely a, the risk reward changes and you get wise enough to be like, I, I look probably 80% as good as I do now. Deadlifting 400 is when I did 600 without the burden on the body. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it's interesting you say that in particular to the, the squats and your legs looking the same because, so yeah, back in college years and all that stuff, that's when I was squatting heavy and deadlifting heavy and yeah, squatting in the 400s and that type of stuff. But now... Honestly, my legs are bigger and more defined than they've ever been. And I've been squatting 275 has been my main weight that I've been doing for eight to 12 reps because of that, not wanting to burden my back too much and everything. And yeah, it's been interesting because I've been noticing and people have been noticing like my legs are significantly bigger than they've ever been before, but I haven't been pushing those heavy weights. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. Gym and egos go hand in hand. And so people get they get them confused results with ego and I'm guilty. I think as we age, I, I can't, I certainly can't speak. I can't speak for women, but I'm going to make this, make this assumption. I just don't, in my experience in life, I just don't see women having the ego problem nearly as bad as men. Right. Not saying all women, but like the majority, I'm like, I just don't see the problem that men have. But- well, I think it's the, the testosterone too. I think that plays the big factor in things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know what the cause is, but it's just this. And I think as the ego wears off, the with the wisdom that women have, have always had starts to emerge and you're like, oh, I can go in the gym and have a really good workout and look really good and feel great. There's no social loss for not lifting that bit more. Yeah. Right. And, and so I only win and I don't lose. And I'm like, wait, why wasn't I doing this 20 years ago? <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> yeah. I but... think if we're young, like we feel like we have something, because I look back at my young self and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, if I'd have known me back then, I'd have slapped myself. But I think it's, we feel like we have something to prove. By, and, well, and like you said, nobody cares. Like when I hit a PR in the gym, I'm like, yes, look around and nobody freaking cares. Nobody's, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And yeah. nobody will care. And also, and- you might you might be one of the few, the rare woman egomaniacs. So I can't, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I might be the one of the few what? Female egomaniacs like us. 
<laughs> oh no, I'm uh, I'm pretty self conscious when it comes to all of that. But well, I think we all are. That's why we. That's why we. That's, that's yeah, why yeah, we yeah. That's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I also like to eat a lot, and so that's why I do. That's why I work out too. So speaking of oh, that, yeah. so the segue. What is your What's your diet? Do you try to watch what you eat, or do you eat whatever you want? What is it? Yeah, I don't really follow it. I don't really track it in any meaningful fashion. I know that when I start getting a little bit of fluff here, I got to cut the sugar out. I got a bit of a sweet tooth. Some habits you learn early if you can stick with them. It's, dude, I don't do liquid calories. Mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of like empty foods, chips, junk. I don't do a lot of that. I just try to eat chicken and rice as much as I possibly can. I eat eggs and bacon for breakfast, protein shakes when I'm like, eh, hungry and slash lazy, pasta after I'll have a big meal after I eat. But that's the gist. I just, I try not to indulge too much. I think there's both a spiritual and a physical aspect to not indulging. And those habits compound. You just, mm -hmm. I just don't eat that much sugar over the years and it starts to work out. I don't drink a lot of, I don't, I'm really against liquid calories. But no juice, no alcohol? soda, no milk. I'm really against liquid calories. Do you drink alcohol? I used to be an alcoholic. No. Oh, really? Nowadays. I do drink alcohol, but it's rare. Yeah. It's rare these days. It really is. Social and never beer. I'm, luckily, I just never liked beer. Yes. Right. I only drink socially. And at 40, dude, it's hard to find friends that like, if I had a friend who wanted to talk politics and religion and argue with me for six hours, I would go have seven drinks at the bar and just <laughs> talk with them. I would do that. I would do guys night for sure. But I don't, I haven't had that one of those friends in a while. And even if I did, I would be okay with going, hey, I'm going to go on a binge. I'm going to get hammered. I'm going to eat wings and burgers. And look at that. Okay. <laughs> look at that face. I'm going to eat wings and burgers and, and drink bourbon till 2 a.m. And I'll have somebody, I'll get an Uber home and I'll do that once a month. And I'd be okay with that. I just think of the headache when people start talking about that. I just, that would be what would happen to me. So I can't yeah. do that stuff anymore. Yeah, I really can't do it either. No. <laughs> Wait till you have kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't have kids. <laughs> That's the thing. So we, one of the things we always preach on here is, especially when it comes to the, the fitness and things like that is, you know, we preach kind of everything in moderation. You don't need to be super strict on your diet if you work out. And if you work out, vice versa, you don't need to, need to be super strict on your diet. Just stay away from the stupid stuff. Don't eat the junk food, stay away from sugar as much as you can and the empty calories and do something for exercise. It doesn't mm -hmm. go into the gym. It can be running is your things or biking, biking is your thing. Do that. I think moderation is important, but my position is, I think just generally, I don't know. My general opinion of people is that they're, whatever they're doing, that they're not doing it intense enough. So I do agree with moderation, but the problem with moderation is I find that it leads to too much complacency. No, oh, yeah, I'll go to the gym sometimes. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Right. What I meant was, or what I think is, if you go to the gym, if you're supposed to go to the gym five days a week and you only make it four, you're in good shape. Or if you're, you only gave it 80% instead of 100% at the gym and you do that four days a week, you're going to be in good shape. What I think what my, my, my pushback against moderation is, it leads to people going, again, I'll go to the gym sometimes and I'll give it some effort and I'll eat good sometimes or, and I'll eat, I'll cheat sometimes. And I'm like, I think that people could, could benefit from a lot more intensity. No, I agree hundred percent. When I say moderation, I don't mean that. I mean that you do something consistently. That is not something that, like you said, I'll do it when I feel like it. Now that you're still doing it consistently, you need to be 
a power lifter. You don't need to be a bodybuilder. You don't need to be running ultra marathons, but you do need to be doing something consistently and you do need to be consistently making wise choices with your food, right? That's what I mean by moderation. There's a lot of people that go to the gym that I've seen and I'm sure you guys have too. There's a lot of people that go to the gym for years and don't make progress. Like right. showing up is not enough. Trust me. This is one thing that, that irritates the heck out of me. I go to LA Fitness. I, do they have LA Fitness out there in Valley? They don't have anything yeah. in Valley. Okay. But so I go to LA Fitness and they have their personal trainers on staff that people go to. And it boggles my mind because none of their personal trainers are in shape. Like they're either these really old people who are like skeleton skinny or overweight and people pay. I see it every single day. The same people who pay these people over and over and they get no changes, no results. And it just boggles my mind. I, I don't understand it. Do you really not understand it? I can explain it to you. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to believe it's true. I, they want the logical explanation I can think of is that they want to be able to say that they're going to the gym, right? Or that they work out, but they're not the really. The thing is people will pay anybody to ch make them change, but the per they're not going to pay anybody enough to make them change because the one person that will make them change is themselves. And so if they aren't putting in the effort, then it's never going to happen. And they're just wasting money at that point. And that's what I see. It's most people just don't have that. Even when you don't feel like it, you still need to go because it's not just, you're never going to have the motivation all the time. But if you go when you don't feel like it, it's habit forming and it's a lifestyle. It's not just, I'll go when I feel like it. And I think that's the most majority of people that say, I just, I've tried to lose weight and I can't. And I think it's because it's like they stop and start and stop and start and stop and start. And your body's just like, what the heck are you doing? And it's not consistent. That, that's what I see out of it. But who knows? So let, let's hear the deep yeah. insight, Alex. Why is it? Oh, I don't know any deep insight. It's just, I think the reason people pay tarot card readers or mediums <laughs> is because they're, you're paying somebody to make you feel better about the things you're already doing. They want you to, they just, you're paying somebody. To, it's a reverse therapist. It's not somebody who's going to get you to change it's somebody who's going to make you tell you what you want to hear and so yeah. if you go to the gym and you get somebody who's out of shape to train you right they're going to make you feel real good about going to the gym out of shape and, right. being, and just go where the gym yeah that's probably part of it yeah and like you said they get to say they went to the gym yeah and, and that's the other thing that always just i i, I chuckle at when in the locker room you're just overhearing conversations and and all that stuff and there's always some older guy who you know does not look like he works out who he'll be talking to his buddies there saying, yeah, yeah, I work out five, six days a week. Uh, if you did seriously, you'd look like it. That if you work out, people should be able to notice that you work out. And if they can't, then you're not doing it hard enough. That's why I wrong. agree. Yeah. I, but I, yeah, I've long, I'm glad you guys are doing a fitness podcast. I've long gotten over being it's not my role in the world to educate or to get people in the gym. I'm very much a tough love type of person. The gym is one of those things where I'm like, I can't do it with you. So do it or don't. <laughs> well, I, think I, don't care. I think it's, I think it's important. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted to have fitness as part of these three core principles in this podcast is because number one, okay, there's an obesity epidemic, especially in the sure. US, right? Yeah, it's a problem. People need to be doing some type of activity and so talking about it. And providing some level of accountability is sometimes enough to get people motivated to get started, right? And thankfully, we've had, we don't have a huge following yet at this point. We're still relatively new, but 
we've had lots of people come to us and tell us that they've started a fitness routine now after, after listening and, and that type of thing. That's one of the really important things. And not only that though, is the principles of fitness carry over to every other aspect of your life, right? And especially into business, right? Because what does fitness take? Fitness takes consistency, discipline, and time. Mm. And I always tell people that's really the guaranteed formula to success in anything. Consistency, discipline, and time. If you apply that to any area of your life, you're going to be successful in it in one way, shape, or form. And fitness teaches you that. And so it's a natural progression that if you are dedicated to fitness, you have a much better chance of being successful as a business person or an entrepreneur. If you can get in shape, dude, I've never done, I've done nothing is harder than squatting heavy. Nothing. And yeah. yeah and the, the thing is, is I bought, I bought a couple million dollars of real estate. I own a few million dollars of real estate and it's not that hard. Right. But it's hard to go and get a bunch of reps, right? You need resources, you need money, you got to find mm -hmm. deals. They're not, it's not that clear. It's not like target where you can just, I go buy a thing. So like you have to finagle the, the game in a little bit different way. Fitness is actually, it's harder to do, but you have more access to it. So mm -hmm. I can go to the gym every day. Right. I can go to the gym every single day, and do squats. There's a diminishing set of returns if I did squats every single day, but not really. You could go to the gym and do squats every day and that would work. It, it gets you 80% there. You, again, there'd be some diminishing returns, but dude, I can go to the gym and do legs every single day. And you know what? You don't have to do legs every day. You just go squats, deadlifts, bench. Squats, deadlifts, bench. I can go in there every single day. I can't go buy a house every day. It's harder. Right? I want to say that. But what's interesting is this. Go ahead. No, but the success that I've had in the gym has come. It's taken far more reps. It's taken far more discipline. It's taken far more effort, taken far more pain. There has been countless, bro, you can't, you will, no one in this world except myself will ever know how many 9 p.m. on a Saturday night in my 20s, I was in the gym doing squats alone when everybody else was at the bar. And I was, I would still go to the bar afterwards, but I was there at, I was there at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night, on a Sunday night, on a Monday night, doing squats, doing deadlifts, doing hard stuff by myself. And I earned my results. But what's interesting that those results are harder than the real estate's quite easy. That's true. And the real estate goes up in value. I do nothing. So if you can do, if you can get in shape, you can make money. That's what I wanted to say, the segue between real estate and being fit. So financially fit and physically fit. The whole thing is you want to, for me, it was, I wanted to change the scenario of my life and not, and break the chains of what I was raised in of not saving money and stuff, and then building that generational wealth. And if you think about it, if you're fit, you're going to be live longer, God willing, unless you get hit by a, a tractor trailer. But you want, if you're trying to build this life for your family, why not be healthy too? Because you want to be around for it. You want to be around as long as you can to see that success and to see it, it blossom into something. And my parents are getting to that age where they're getting older because they had me late in life. And it's, they're doing pretty well, but I've also seen people struggling with their parents that didn't take care of themselves. And now they're having to take care of them. And it's a financial burden. And I think that's why to me, that's how I connect both of them. If you want your family to succeed financially, you also want to be there for them and show them how to live a healthy lifestyle as well. Mm -hmm. You'll make more money if you're in shape because people like, I want to do business with that guy because he takes it seriously. Yeah. Well, that's true. 
because there's a whole, there's a whole, you you carry yourself better. You feel better. You're obviously cheaper to to your bank account because you're going to have less health problems. Yeah, dude, fitness. That's the best investment. Also at 40 now, I'm now starting to see, this is the first, this might be like the first year where I'm really starting to see the, the compounding effects with money. You make, if you make more money, you can go spend it right away. Not to say you should, but if you make more money, you feel the effects right away. You're like, bank account's bigger. Oh, I have more than you if we're exchanging net worths or whatever. And so you feel those effects right away. But with the gym, you start to think, in the beginning, you're like, oh, I look better. And people don't really care. But this is the first year where I'm like, I'm looking at my peers, especially some of the younger ones that are 30 and they don't look good, but then now they're not feeling good mentally, emotionally, physically. They're not feeling that great. And I'm like, dude, I could run circles around you. And have a better attitude about it and and being fit continues to and this might not i I want people to hear this in the way they need to hear it but i'm going to say it in the way that only alex would say it is i am i am a threat i walk around i'm like dude underestimate me at your your own peril i it it is you want to be a force to be reckoned with in the world and that's not the right way that everybody would describe themselves but you want to be capable competent and 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 confident and the gym will do that for you. 100%. And I'm curious, where did this mentality come from? Was this, did you always have this kind of mentality or did this stem from being in the army at all? Or was this from your upbringing? I'm just curious. That's a bit of both. I grew up in a very antagonistic household. So you had to be like, you had to be like, you had to be prepared for battle at any time. This is not a healthy household so much, but it was mostly playful but it was antagonistic. And then, yeah, I joined the army at 18, a month okay. after September 11th. Oh, wow. So I was gone. And then, yeah, I did two tours in Kabul. And then what's interesting is I got out because I wasn't, I was not designed for the military, but I, le- I learned later in life. I was like, man, I wasn't good for the military, but I am biologically, I'm definitely like a, a warrior. I'm built that way. I'm built as a sort of a, a soldier. Right. I'm built for conflict. I love it. I walk around. I'm always, usually when I'm podcasting, I got my knife out and I'm just like <laughs> making my point. <laughs> a little Swiss army knife. You know, a little Swiss army knife. <laughs> my fiance, you like start way, my holding a knife in podcast so people can be like, is she a crazy lady or is she like. Uh, Brenna, my fiance got me this Swiss that army brain, knife. That ship's already sailed, Brenna. Yeah, so. <laughs> my fiance got me this in Switzerland. Oh, okay. wow. So it's a true Swiss Army knife. It is a true Swiss Army knife. You think it's cheaper in Switzerland or more expensive? She paid. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, okay, uh, hold on. You said at first you really like meeting people and talking to people and you started taking pictures of people. Can you tell us about that and how you started to just grow and grow in your contacts and then get into real estate and all of that? Somebody, what, freaking decade ago now, 12 years ago, man, this advice changed my life. I say it all the time. I said, on, I said on the bigger pockets podcast, I'll say it every time somebody, I get the chance. You need three hobbies in life and, and life will be solved. One hobby that keeps you in shape. One hobby that makes you money. And one hobby that keeps you creative. Ta-da. Yeah, cool. You're done. That's all you need, dude. Look at Kale's head as he is pondering right now. And so I had two. I had two. I had, I had powerlifting. I had been doing the gym for, for a decade and I just started real estate when I heard that or I was just starting real estate. So I was like, oh, that's going to make me money. That's going to keep me in shape. And I had always been drawn to cameras, but 
I had picked a few up, but I had never really stuck with it or done anything with it. So I was like, let me just, let me buy something nice and like commit, put some skin in the game. And yeah, that was what, seven, eight years ago now. And it's eight, eight years ago now. And I don't leave home without it now. <laughs> what do you like uh, taking so, pictures most of like people or nature or what? People. What is it people. that draws you to it? I was just telling this to somebody. All right. I'll give you a little insight. There's a really interesting process. Nobody wants their photos being taken. No, really, nobody wants. They really don't want bad photos being taken. But most people are awkward. They don't want to be. They don't know what to do. They look. They feel weird. It makes them. They just makes them super insecure. So they hate the entire process. So this is. I'll tell you. This is my art. I'll tell you. They hate the entire process. Do you want your photo taken? You're like, not really. No. <laughs> who says? Who jumps and says yes? Right? Nobody. Okay. Kale. <laughs> no. On the other side, yeah, I do. There's definitely some narcissists on the world. I, know, I met, they're my favorite. On the other side of that, and this is an undeniable universal fact, every single human being loves a great picture of them. Right. Nobody, if I came up to you and I was like, here's a picture, you look wonderful. You'd be like, oh, yes, I do. Profile picture, let's show this stuff <laughs> to the world. Everybody loves a great photo of themselves. Everybody hates the picture being taken. Mm. And so my, my, my life experience, my skill sets, my, my personality, like all of these things accumulate to a process that basically, well, it's a sales process. I build rapid rapport. I, I find out what they want. I find out what they don't want. I, I'm a bit of a bully. So I'm like, oh, you don't want your picture taken? Too bad. Come with me. And I'll literally grab somebody by the arm and drag them along. And, and I can get away with a lot of that stuff because I do it in a charming way. <laughs> and... Then we go through the very awkward pro process of taking photos and I usually pull them aside and be like, oh, light, the light looks good right here. You look cool. And I usually see somebody in a light. I take what I call plandids, which are the plant, they're somewhat planned candids. And so I just see somebody at a conference. I shoot bigger pockets and people are just standing around and I'm like, oh, you look cool there. You do that, but like a little bit different. Do this, put your hands here, stand right here. <laughs> yeah, do that, but not that face, make a different face. Yeah, that'd be me. And so, and then I'll get a great photo of somebody. Not always. There's a lot of, a lot of terrible photos. I, I take mostly terrible photos and you, but you get a couple of good ones. You get a great photo of somebody, you show it to them. And then they're like, they're flabbergasted because they're like, oh, I look great. And I didn't think I was going to look great. I felt weird and I don't want my photo taken, but now I look great. And in order to get that photo, I have to put them in an uncomfortable position and they have to share with me their vulnerability. So then I take that vulnerability and I give it to them and I convert it to confidence. And so then now we have this little moment where somebody trusts me because they shared with me their insecurity and I gave it to them back in the form of confidence, selflessly. I'm never going to look at a camera the same now, Alex. Man. <laughs> Every single deep. candid photo of me, I look like I have three chins. I hate, you know, I, I hate photos because there's no good, maybe I need to do a planned and twist. Alex and figure it out. Man, I don't like pictures taken when I don't know it. <laughs> Are you going to be a BP con this year? I'm going to try. Yeah. It's in Cancun. So I really want to go. I was on a panel this past year. So I was there, there then, but yeah. Maybe I don't. That was a big conference this year to do by myself. I don't like that you said try. I knew you were going to call her out on it. Try what? What? <laughs> you said, I'm going to try. I yeah. Yeah. I'll try to make you look good. <laughs> okay. I'll try to keep my chin out. 
<laughs> yeah, chin out. That's it. <laughs> That's why the selfies became so popular. Do you know that? That's why selfies yeah, became so popular? Because you do really? like this. Yeah, like it's nice. It wasn't this. It certainly wasn't this. Look, was it? Was it ever like <laughs> looking down? It was look up and your neck extends. I guess that makes you, it makes you. Every time you pull out your phone and it accidentally shows you and you see, that's what every candid photo of me looks like. It's And yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I don't donuts? know if that's how I hold my face. If it is, like, y'all need to let me know or something because Lord Jesus. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> so I'm curious what most of the, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the, the photo events that you're doing are, are real estate related events. So what, what have you learned about real estate investors through being behind the camera? They're mostly boring. <laughs> Real estate's the real estate's the most simple business model. It's fixed costs, it's fixed income. It's simple. You don't have to be a genius. Mm -hmm. You just have to go get properties. It's not there's not that many there's not that many real estate entrepreneurs. They're just people who buy. There's they're it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit harder than stock investing. I'm just picking stocks, sitting on them. So it's a simple business model, which makes for you know not that many eccentric people. It's a lot of regular people, which I like actually, because I find I don't need somebody like a, a wild eccentric person to, to see something interesting to them. I like bringing out the interesting out of a you know, mostly regular person. The other thing is about regular people is uh, they're so accessible. It's con conference and better life. And these I'm um, part of some others. These are successful, wealthy, good people. And they're very accessible mm -hmm. and because they're just like, I bought some property. What do you mean? It's not a, I'm not a, I'm not changing the world here. Unfortunately, I'm just buying some property and maybe making a couple of people's lives better along the way, but it's so accessible. And the last one is the real estate investing community is the most abundant minded people that I've ever seen in my life. And I believe that's because I was just saying this on, on a thing earlier. I believe that's because we don't share market. There's no market share. I, we're not competing for customers. I have 60 tenants and they're not going to live at your house tomorrow and then back at my house. We're not competing. Right. They live in my house and then we're done. Right. And they might move next year, but there's plenty of tenants. Right. So yeah. I think that makes it for uh, like, why would I buy 60 and you buy 60? Let's go buy 120 together. It makes it very easy to collaborate opportunities. It fits the way I like to make money, which is semi-passive and the people have been fantastic and abundant. And I don't know that it has to be that, but that's what it was. Uh, I don't know that it has to be real estate. It could have been something else, but it was real estate. And now I'm committed and deep and my friends are there and I go to five, six conferences a year. I'm a certified conference junkie and I, I have <laughs> zero intention of, I, in fact, I want to go to more and I bring my camera and I tell stories about the real estate investing community. And I probably need to do more of that, but yeah, no, that's. I think that's what draws people to the real estate investing community. And I, for me personally, that's what drew me in was that it was the only industry that I found that was not the dog eat dog, everyone trying to hide the industry secrets and trample on the competition. It was just like you said, abundance mindset, everybody willing to help everybody from the most successful person to the brand new person. So that's that accessibility that you were talking about and the fact that because it isn't rocket science. Anybody really can do it. Anybody can do it. That's, that's what I preach all the time as well, is that literally anybody can become successful in real estate, right? You put your mind to it and you follow those same principles, consistency, discipline, and time. Right? There's a couple of things in life that are just the gym, books, 
networking. There's things, these things don't cost any money. Right. They have, they're like stupid returns on investment and anybody can do them. And so I watch people like a hawk. And when I'm like, oh, you're not networking, you're not reading, you're not saving any money. You don't do any basic investing. You don't go to the gym. I'm like, you're just passing up on big opportunities. And I think a lot of times people look for some complicated shenanigans about changing the world. And I'm like, buy a house, go to the gym, read 20 books a year, go to a couple of meetups or a conference. You can go real far in life, 1% far, 1%er on some pretty basic things. And I'm not saying that you should, people should temper their ambitions to only go for what I call shoot for the middle. I don't think they should do that, but I think a lot of people, they go, I can't do that. So then I'll do nothing. And I'm yep. like, dude, Jim, mm -hmm. a couple of houses. I, you, what if you bought one house a year? Yep. yep. What if you bought one house a year and you put 5% down and you, if, and like, you almost, you could almost do it with a, with a blindfold and a dartboard. One yep. house a year, you buy anything. I'm like, well, in 30 years, you're going to be wealthy. I, I use that example all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you, what if you, check this out. What if you did that, but you tried? What if you <laughs> actually tried? And you're like, I'm going to buy a good house in a good area. And maybe I'm gonna, I'll get a discount. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So my God, I can't believe how, how what, like how much you can do. That's what I did. I'm not a genius. I'm just, just buy a house. And it's, oh, it turns out I bought three this year because I was trying. And then one year I buy an apartment building and you're like, this is insane how much this works. And then you have the confidence to go do more. Cause now I'm like, dude, I'm not buying single family homes. I'm buying hundred unit apartment building. And it's like, why? It's because I started with all the little reps. So I think, yeah, to your point. I think it's a, a mental aspect um, too, because some people are like, I offered on this and I've, I've offered on two different properties and I've gotten beat out. And so I just don't think this is for me. And the thing is, I always say, just think of it as the long-term investment or a rate of return investment. You have to have a business mindset. And just for lifting for me, I don't know if it's for you. If I know what it, sometimes if I know what's on that bar and I know it's heavier than I've done before, I will, I am so bad at psyching myself up. And I think a lot of beginners, because I talked to hundreds of beginners and they psych themselves up and they've got a better looking financial picture than somebody that's got 10 homes over here that's still buying. And I think if people could just get out of their heads, they would be much better at trying to, to go for it instead of just giving up when one thing doesn't go their way. 100%. I'm guilty. Yep. I'm no, guilty. we all are. Especially when you're just getting started. That first one is always the scariest one. And then you see that you can do it and it's not so hard and then you can move on. And it's, I started this month, I started teaching a, a financial literacy course for high school students. And just last night was one of our sessions we did on Wednesday nights. And I was starting them on investing uh in real estate and just the excitement and blowing of their minds to see what is possible is crazy because they've been taught we've been taught and everything from our society from our parents typically from school that our expectations really should not be high for what we can accomplish right we should go to school we should get a job and we should work until we're 65, 75 years old, and then try to retire. We're not taught to have high expectations or high potential. And when these kids are seeing what is possible, even at their age to get started in, 
and what can happen in 10, 15 years. And I, I was using that example of just buying one house a year and thinking 15 years where you'll be like, it, it's crazy. And again, just seeing those light bulbs go off. That's what we need. That's what we need more of in today's society. We need people to be taught these basic principles and shown what the potential is shown that you don't need to be some, you know, physicists, some rocket scientists, some person born with a silver spoon in your mouth to be able to be successful. And we sell ourselves short. We sell ourselves short way mm. too much because we're taught to yeah. keep our potential, keep our expectations low. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never thought I'd be able to buy a house. And then when I set my goals, I was like, I bet you I could buy 10 of these in 10 years. Yeah. And then I ended up hitting like 80 in four years. Yeah. So you just got to, you got to unlock it a little bit. No, absolutely. Hey guys, it's Brenna Carl, CEO and co-founder of The Mortgage Shop. When I'm not spending my time searching for the best pizza in town, working out because of pizza, or fighting sharks as Kale likes to say, I spend my time educating clients on the best investment products that will help them build generational wealth and making sure their loan process is as smooth as warm butter on a piece of toast. Call us today to get started with your investment journey at 800-816-7982 or talk more about pizza. Talk to you soon. I wanted to touch on another thing though with you because I was reading through your blog and one thing that kind of stood out to me and you alluded to it in, in some of the conversation here was you had brought up about the question that gets asked on the Better Life podcast, a branding ask, so what do you want your legacy to be? And I was reading your blog about that. That's interesting. Legacy, yeah. And how you, I'll, I'll let you explain it, but you, you basically said that you felt that you were a bit of a dichotomy in that you called yourself a, a hostile entity, but at the same time, you know, love people and how those two things can coincide. And the, your legacy was to make, make people tough and tougher after meeting you. Right. Yeah. As well, dive into that a little bit because I find that interesting and where that comes from. Brandon asked this question at the end of the podcast. What do you want people to say about you when you die? What do you right. want people to remember you as? And I think it, it's not a question that people think about a lot. And so what they do is they give off these like rattle and they're not prepared. So they get off these, like these, they just rattle off an answer. Oh, I, Gary V says, I want to be, I want to have given more than I took, or I want to, it ends up being a lot of marketing answers. I want people's life to be, have been better because they met me here. And these are, I don't know if they're good answers. They're the correct answers, let's say, especially when put on the spot. But I didn't have that. I, I had the luxury of listening to this question be asked for all last year. What do you want your legacy to be? And I thought, not what I want it to be, but what is it going to be? What do people actually do when they come across me? And nobody in this world would be like, oh, Alex, he's so nice. <laughs> Not to say that I'm not nice, but that's not how they would describe me. It, I'm definitely, for better or for worse, it's some form of, I'm an antagonist. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, you got like a, like a raging rhino. Do you want it to be on your side or do you want to be fighting against it? Right. Like you got this apex predator, essentially. I can't help it. So it's, let's be friends because you don't want to be enemies. <laughs> um, but... I think about how I treat people actually, and you know, I really do want what's best for people. And I think well, most of us, myself included, most of us, the person who's getting in the way of what's best for us is ourselves. And so I think of life as a game of a battle of self versus self. 
And so it's the problem is that we don't think of ourselves as opponents internally. And so it's, dude, inside of you is an extremely formidable opponent. I know inside of me is a very formidable opponent. I'm an emotional wreck, right? I, uh, I don't work as hard as I should work. I'm neurotic, self-deprecating, like just lots of negative things. And I know that's not like there's two people inside of me. And so I have to, I have to, this is just a framework I use and because I, how I am, but I think about this as a, it's a battle, it's a war. Mm -hmm. And so I have to become an incredibly dangerous warrior to defeat that opponent. And I think that's how most people are, or at least that's the, most people wouldn't describe it that way, but <clears throat> let's say there's some different language that will apply the same principle. So you can negotiate with this person and maybe you can, maybe you can negotiate and win. But for me, I'm like, dude, defeat. And so if you run into me, you run into Alex and I, I only know one way to love people. And it's tough love. So if you don't need it or don't want it, don't call me. I can't help you, <laughs> but everybody needs it sometimes. So if you run into Alex, Alex is going to keep in your toes. Alex is going to challenge you. Alex is going to call you on your lies, your self lies. Alex is not going to let you be weak, full of excuses or lackadaisical. I'm just not going to let you, I just, I can't do it. And I do that because I want you to be better. So if you run into me, it's, you're like, oh, it's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to, you're going to walk away going, oh, he called me out on that. Or he made me feel like crap about the self, the lack of self-realization. So I was thinking about that when I wrote that article and I think that's what I do to people. And so I think that's, <clears throat> maybe they can't articulate it, but that's, that was, that's my goal. Where does, where does that come from though? And I know it, it goes in line with what we had talked about a little bit earlier, but I'm, I'm curious because you mentioned a couple of key words that you're self-deprecating. And then you also mentioned that you don't want people to be weak. And I, I'm curious because I'm similar and not in that, like I'm not outwardly, probably outwardly as like aggressive, I would say, but I'm a very much a tough love type person as well. And I know for me, that stems from the internal insecurities and not wanting my weaknesses to show. And so I don't want other people to be weak either. I want them to be tough. Mm -hmm. right? And that goes a lot with my upbringing and, and things of that nature. But where do you think that stems from for you? Some of it, people are different. Some of it's just biology. I don't claim to, <clears throat> I don't claim that my way is the best way mm -hmm. by any means. My way is the best way for me, or it's the only way to how to do it. So I don't claim that my way is the best way, but for me, I just, dude, I've seen a lot of the planet and it's a blessing and a curse in America. We just have it so good. It's mm -hmm. so unbelievably good. And what happens, I'll give you a good example and a good gym example. It's calluses. Mm -hmm. I want you to have calluses. If you can handle little old Alex, cause I got a mouth on me. If you can handle, I'm, I got a foul mouth. Like I prod people, I poke at people, right? Sometimes physically, sometimes if we're hanging, I bought a bunch of Nerf guns in the office here now and a bunch of, there's a bunch of peaceful people here and I'm literally, you're just not paying attention. I'm coming around sniping you. And I'm like, stay alert, stay alive, bro. <laughs> and these little, uh, it's a pretty hostile place in here, thanks to me. And nobody else likes it. But, uh, but again, it's one of those things, it's calluses. I think about this and some of it's my experience. I was sitting there one day walking on Chicken Road in Kabul and we were shopping and just jumped in our Humvee and a guy throws a grenade in the back of the bed and you know, blows it to hell. And something about me will never forget that moment where I'm like, dude, you just never know when a grenade will go off behind you. Right. And some of that's just my experience and probably not healthy. 
and not realistic. But also, I read a lot of history. People thought the 1917 Re Russian Revolution was going to go great, and it turned into 80 <laughs> years of turmoil. And it, it, you had to be tough as nails to get through that experiment. And we live in a world of abundant food, abundant water, electricity. The least you can do to prepare is have a little bit of callus, a little bit, at least I'm not delicate around words. Right. Yeah. Especially in today's society. You're absolutely right. I know we got to, out of respect for your time, I know we got to wrap things up here, but we always like to try to leave our audience with three actionable or practical tips based on what we discussed. So what would those be for you? Everything you want in life can be had through immersion. So like every dollar you're ever going to make in your life, is going to come from another human being. There's no money trees. It comes from people. So go be around people. If you're like a hyper introvert, you hate people, you're in for tough. It's going to be harder. Health is wealth. Dude, go to the gym. I don't care what it takes. Go to the gym. Go to the gym. Go to the gym. Go to the gym. It's the best investment you can make. It's the best thing you can do for your family, for your business. It's the beginning of, it's the beginning of everything. Actually, I'll expand that. I'll say there are a list of asymmetric investments you can make in this world. Things that are very low cost, extremely high reward. Books, gym, people. Doesn't cost you anything to go to a local meetup to get coffee. It doesn't These are not costs, right? Gym doesn't, what do you pay? 50 bucks a month? Doesn't cost that much. Books, you spend 400 bucks on books, you're going to be brilliant. Uh, you spend 400 bucks a year on books, you're going to be brilliant. So they, these things don't cost much, but the, the bets are, the returns are huge. The last thing I'll say, I had written a couple of them on you, but I forgot what they're actionable. I would say one of the best things you can do is live light. That's both physically, financially, and spiritually. Live with less stuff, less overhead, less subscriptions, less needs, less addictions, alcohol, coffee, social media, like less. Live with less. You will find freedom and discipline. Not discipline. You'll find freedom and, and yeah, you'll be able to be more free because then you won't be, the, the chains of luxury are they're tight. Yeah. There we go. Dropping some wisdom bombs. Love it. Thank you. <clears throat> Actually, Brenna, sorry. Bet you rock. You want to do your famous question? What's your favorite pizza from where and why? I love this question. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Yes. I love mellow mushroom. Me too. Oh, come on. I, have you had the pretzel bites? Oh my gosh. It's so good. I love mellow mushroom. I know it's a chain. I've never remembered Grimaldi's in Las Vegas is wonderful. What and is it? Grimaldi's in Las Vegas. It's another like mini chain or regional chain or something like that, but it's good. And then I'll tell you this one. This one's going to, Kayla, I can already tell you're going to hate this answer. <laughs> I have a buddy who is going on this buying spree and I love this business model. I'm trying to find a way to work with him. He is buying this pizza chain, a large pizza chain. He's buying these franchises up and I want to buy him because I find this pizza to be incredible even though it is a chain. Marco's Pizza. Really? Oh, what, what is it called? Marco's. Oh, it, Marco's. It's the fourth, it's the fifth largest pizza chain. It is not what you'd expect me yeah. to say, but it is really good. And when he said, I'm going to start buying these things, I'm like, I love that pizza. I will buy those with you. <laughs> well, well, the next now bench. We start talking Little Caesars. But Mellow Mushroom is my first you pick. let me know. <laughs> Little Caesars. And Mellow Mushroom. Man. Double pepperoni and black olives. All right. Keep it simple. Nice. <laughs> Alex, thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. Shared a lot of wisdom, some deep insights, and we thank you so much for your time.
And ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for another episode of The Fit Investor. Hi. Thank you.